Good morning, everyone. This is Gary on Guns, but I'm obviously not Gary. Uh, Gary can't be with us this morning. We think there was a sale. Where was it, Chuck? I, I heard it. There was a sale at Cat Emporium, and okay. he wanted to be first in line. Whatever the case. Emergency adoptions. <laughs> For cats. Whatever the case may be, we know Gary will hear this, and then we'll hear from Gary. In any event, my name is Dale Roberts. I'm on the show ordinarily to speak primarily on farms law issues. Our other guests are Chuck Basie. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. Chuck is our one of our primary legislators in the state legislature on the Second Amendment. He's also Missouri's gender defender. If you've kept up with the news. And also, Garson Chin from Graphs. Good morning. What's new at Graphs? All kinds of stuff. All right. I'm sure we'll hear about that later. I, know, I already am looking at some of the firearms you have and trying to figure out, do I have the money? <laughs> so, we're going to start off with something we don't normally do, or at least is this a little bit different. It's a book report, which sounds pretty nerdy, and maybe it is, but it's a little bonus for people who are listening early. Um, there's a new, and I have a copy here in the studio, you can't see it, um, Firearms Law and the Second Amendment. It's the textbook or the casebook used by law students at the University of Missouri School of Law. And it just came out in third edition. If you want to buy a copy, it's $298, which is what law students pay for books every time they take a class. But the important thing about this book is that, it, it, you know, if you think about this, when I was in law school in the 80s, this Basically, the Second Amendment didn't exist. We didn't talk about it. It just wasn't there. And after the Heller decision, Heller versus D.C. at the Supreme Court, um, the Second Amendment became an issue for law students. There's a professor, Royce de Brandes, who teaches Second Amendment law at Missouri's Law School. Students cover the Second Amendment. And it, I, I just think it's really important because these are students who will become you know, defense attorneys and prosecutors, some of them will become, you know, legislators, judges, government officials, and the Second Amendment is now on the state bar exam. You have to know about the Second Amendment uh, to get your law license, to get through law school, which I think is uh, pretty important. Garson? Do they have, like, safe spaces for the liberal lawyers that are going through law school to cry about having to learn about gun law? I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk. You know, actually, I should have asked Professor Brondes to be on the show this morning. We have to arrange that sometime. If, if that book costs that much, they'd probably get a student loan uh, as quickly as possible because it looks like the federal government might be excusing that here pretty soon. Yeah. The, the rest of us can pay for those loans. Yeah. The students shouldn't have to. Um, but for anybody interested in this, the, the cool thing for most of us is that a number of the chapters from this book are available for free online. You don't have to pay the $298. If you go to a page, it's firearm regulation, all one word, firearmregulation.org. You'll see the book, and I think at the top of the page is a link that says online chapters. And you can download chapters on firearms policy, comparative law, in-depth explanation of firearms and ammunition, evolution of technology and firearms, um, quite a bit of information there. And as I said, it's free. So that's pretty cool. And very pertinent to uh, what's coming down the pipe for us. I'll tell you, so much. So uh, I think we'll start off with legislation. And Chuck, I don't know if you want to do an intro on this. I, I, well, let me say this. I looked last night um, 
And if the listeners, if anybody wants to check this out, if you go to house.mo.gov, that's the state's webpage for the House of Representatives, or you can go to senate.mo.gov, page for the Senate. And on either of those pages, there's a link for legislation. When you get to legislation, there are a number of options. I think the tabs are usually on the left side of the page. And there will be one that says uh, topical index or something of that sort. Subject and index. Subject index. Yes. Okay, thank you. And you go through those, and they're in alphabetical order, and you'll find usually a link for firearms. And in the House, it shows, I think, 41 bills have been filed that have to do with firearms. But you have to know not to stop there, because if you stroll all the way down to the end of the list, there's another entry that says weapons. And there may be about, I don't know, 10 bills listed under weapons. Some of them are the same bills that were listed under firearms. Some are not. So if you want to look, look at these, you look in both those places. And same thing on the Senate side. So when I looked last evening, I think there were the, the House page showed about 41 bills filed under firearms. And the Senate page showed maybe 22. And we're down to the last two weeks of session. They're, they're two Chuck, are they both going to be four-day weeks as usual? Well, we have uh, next, to, the last week, is all, we always meet on Friday. It's a constitutional requirement. And um, next week, we do have a Friday session scheduled, but I think that might be related to the budget because it is due by Friday. And all the budget bills are in conference committees right now. So if uh, they run into any snags, we might have to meet an extra day to, to finally approve that and get it to the governor. So, um, but yeah, the the firearm bills. There's a few moving, but uh, I I I'm not real confident any of them are, are going to make it. I'm I hope I'm wrong, but uh, the one bill that I'm very hopeful for is House Bill 1462. The underlying bill is allowing uh, concealed carry permit holders to carry on public transit, with the exception of Amtrak. That was the only part that was carved out of that bill. And a lot of amendments were put on that in the House, and uh, it's right now it's stalled out in the Senate Fiscal Oversight Committee. So um, if we can get it out of that committee and get it on the, the Senate calendar, then it's got to, you know, it'll be in order. There's about eight bills in the way already, and, and more are going to be added here as the days go forward. So the sooner a bill gets out of a committee in the Senate and they put it on their calendar, the better the chance is. But... Um, I don't know. The Senate uh, is not getting along. Uh, they're they're doing a little better, but they're still having a lot of issues over there with uh, with some things. And uh, it might get it might get bad again because we're going to bring up redistricting again in the next couple of days. We're going to start uh, trying to move that again because we still don't have the congressional maps for our eight congressional people at the national level. Is there still time for public opinion to help? Sway Absolutely. That? Yeah, I would. Uh, uh, encourage folks to uh, call uh, their senators mainly, but the, the senators on the Fiscal Oversight Committee would be the ones to talk to, and the chair of that is a senator from Springfield. He's a pretty good guy. It's uh, Senator Lincoln Huff from the Springfield area, and um, you could uh, get on the Senate website, call their office, and just be very, very polite and tactful. Don't Don't be rude. That won't get anywhere, but uh, just ask them to move. Clear and cl concise and respectful. Yes, uh, just to ask them to please move House Bill 1462 forward. And I, you know, years ago had a legislator tell me th that people don't realize how few, you know, 
contacts are made that, that, you know, if a legislator gets, you know, 12 or 18 phone calls or letters, that actually stands out. And, you know, you don't have to have thousands. And in fact, I think that same legislator said, you know, if I get 400 of those pre-printed postcards that somebody puts out where you just sign your name and send it in, that doesn't really impress me because I don't think you had to go to any trouble. So I'm not sure it means anything to you. But if I get a personal phone call or a personal letter or email, um, that that tends to stand out. Chuck, do you, you see it that way? I, I agree. You know, in... Um the emails that I, I appreciate more than any, we get a lot of uh, chain emails. They all say the same thing. They, they look the same. And uh, a lot of groups on, on both sides, the conservative and liberal groups, do the same thing. They just uh, have their membership uh, type in a few things, you know, and it, and it auto formats the email, and, it, and we get a bunch of those. But if you just take the time just to type in just a one-sentence email is very, very effective. And uh, we do look at those. I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think a, a lot of my colleagues uh, do uh, read those emails. Um, so uh, Lincoln Huff is uh, is a, it's the actual committee is the Government Accountability and Fiscal Oversight Committee in the Senate. So uh, call Senator Huff and ask him to uh, push House Bill 1462 onto the Senate floor. And if, if anybody, you know, if you'd like to do that, again, if you go to senate.mo.gov, one of the tabs at the top of the page says senators or they may be on the main page and you can scroll down and find lincoln huff and it's spelled h-o-u-g-h i believe um and as as everyone here has said you know be polite be concise just contact them and say i'd like to see house bill 1462 move to the floor so that it can at least be debated and voted upon um and that bill by the way i think we talked about it several weeks ago uh, it's, it uh, con- contained the underlying bill was for carry on buses. Is that correct, Chuck? Yeah, on public transit. On yeah, public like, transit, like the uh, MetroLink in St. Louis, the little tram they have that goes through all over the place. Uh, one of the provisions was to lower the age for concealed carry permits in Missouri from 19 to 18. One of them was to remove the requirement that you ask a pastor for permission to carry in a church. So we don't put that in them in that awkward position. Um, and then Chuck's provision on uh, removing the, the uh, roadblock, the suspended imposition of sentence problem for people who are applying for a permit. There's more that we can talk about on legislation, and we will after the break. And I would invite people to call in. We've got time to talk to you this morning. And in the meantime, we'll hear from our sponsors. Good morning. And once again... Gary Nolan can't be with us this morning. My name's Dale Roberts. I'm ordinarily on the show. Today, I'm anchoring it. And as Brian said, you you know, Dale, you sit in for Gary, and outside of the improvement, people will never know the difference. (laughs) I know when Gary hears that, he'll call Brian and tell him to cut my mic. He'll be too busy with those new cats. Yes, perhaps. So, folks, we're going to spend a little more time on legislation because we're down to the wire in the legislative session. They have not moved any... To my knowledge, they haven't passed any Second Amendment bills. That's the key. Um, Another bill that's pending that you might call in about is House Bill 1696. Um, Chuck, do you want to talk about that? I'm vaguely familiar with it. Yes, uh, Representative Roger Reedy filed that bill. Actually, he's filed it, I think, three or four years now. And um, right now, um, it's an offense if you discharge or shoot a firearm from a motor vehicle and the intent of uh, representative reedy's bill is to allow 
farmers out in the rural areas uh, to, um, if if the situation arises, to uh, use a firearm uh, when they're in their vehicle to uh, manage their, their livestock. So, so some sound like uh, Mr. Reedy said on the floor, he's a cattle farmer. And uh, oftentimes there might be a situation where there's um, a, a predator that are after their their uh, calves or something like that. And, uh, you know, if you have to stop the vehicle, exit it, you know, it's too, it's too late to get a shot. But if you could, uh, like, pop a, a coyote or something or another uh, animal that is harming your livestock, then this would be uh, allowed to do that. Right now that you cannot do that legally. So that's the intent of the bill. So I, I, I think it's a good bill. But, uh, again, that's kind of hung up in the Senate. It's been referred to their general laws committee. And, um, again, people could call uh, senators on that committee or specifically the chair of that uh, general laws committee, which is Senator Bill Eigel from St. Charles, and encourage them to move that bill forward. So, really, the only bill that I'm aware of, and Chuck, tell me if I'm wrong, that would change things for concealed carry is the bill we talked about a moment ago, 14, House Bill 1462. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, of course. And in the Senate, they could uh, they could put amendments on uh, those bills as well. And uh, if they do amend that bill, it's got to come back to the House for approval, which I'm sure we would, uh, as long as there's not a, a bad amendment, which can happen. But uh, uh, given the fact that we have a supermajority, a lot of people don't think we do because of all the infighting going on but um you know if if they have a good amendment putting on there i'm sure the house would approve it when it comes back yeah and it's interesting you know the comment about infighting and i've heard a lot of people talk about you know dysfunction at the legislature but if you look back the you know the same thing happened has happened when the democrats have a super majority and as i understand it if you're if you're split between the parties is too close to 50-50, you can't afford not to get along, is the best way I can put that. And so the party members work together more closely. And when you have a supermajority, your majority is so great that, that you can have, it seems like you can have more of a split within the party um, and not work together. Is that yeah, it's um, unfortunately there's a lot of, uh, you've got personalities involved and a lot of people have very strong opinions on certain topics. And, uh, you know, we, we have uh, in the Senate, there's a uh, seven or eight senators that are very, very conservative. And then there are some that uh, are labeled certain things, which I disagree with, but they, they might be a little more moderate in their thinking on some things. And so that's created a little friction over there. And it's, now we're having that same thing on the House side a little bit where some of the, uh, the very, very conservative uh, representatives are are very unhappy about certain things and and what comes to mind mainly is the uh the redistricting map which we still haven't got done so i i, th I think that'll move forward a little bit this week hopefully we'll get that done before we leave uh jeff city but um yeah it's it's unfor a fun unfortunate part of the process down there um but uh you know everybody's trying to get certain things done and when you can't get uh something you care about moving it, it is very very frustrating We'll hope things move. We've got two more weeks to do it. Friday the 13th, maybe appropriately, is the last day of session. Right, and it's three days before a full moon, so it, it might not <laughs> go down real well, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So. so moving to the national scene, and this is something that, that's closer to home for Garson. Uh, President Biden 
has uh, proposed his the a presidential budget request which includes 20.6 billion dollars for the justice department and within that budget for the justice department is a provision to hire another 140 special agents for the atf and 160 additional industry operations inspectors um which basically you know fits in with biden's administration uh, their narrative in terms of placing the blame on on the firearm industry for everything that happens with firearms garson are you i don't know if if graphs tracks that or how much you see those folks so um we have a um federal explosives license um so we can handle black powder um so we get um, very regular inspections due to that they follow the black powder much more closely than they do the firearm side of things um so we're we're constantly under their peer purview um but our our inspectors are very amicable um we're we're doing everything we can to make sure we're um complying with and doing everything we can to record and maintain those records we need to stay compliant so our our reviews normally go very smoothly um and we normally get complimented on how well we handle our paperwork um cuz nobody nobody wants to pay a fine to the government or or have to go down to uh, Kansas City for a come to Jesus meeting with the higher ups at the uh, local ATF branch. Understandable, and we're not going to have time to finish this before the break. But I don't know how often it, it sounds like Graphs does well with this. But they, you know, allegedly within this budget, and the goal is to have more ATF agents uh, reopen uh, previously closed compliance inspections and revoke more licenses. So uh, I don't know. I, I guess we'll go to the we'll go to the break because we're not going to yeah. have time to talk about this. You're listening to Gary on Guns on 93.9. Oh, we got time for a call. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Hello. Uh, great meeting this morning. I really appreciate what you're talking about. Um, so these house bills is this in Missouri or is this in D.C.? All right, Evelyn, if you can hold on just a moment, we're right up against a break, and we will answer that for you when we come back from the break. Thank you. listening to Gary on Guns on 93.9 The Eagle. Good morning, folks. This is Gary on Guns, but Gary Nolan's not with us this morning. My name is Dale Roberts. Chuck Basie, State Representative Chuck Basie is here, and Garson Chin from Graphs, our corporate sponsor for the morning, is also here. We had a phone call from Evelyn. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Can you state your question again? I have two questions. The first one is, are these Missouri bills or um, in D.C.? The, the, the legislation we were discussing this morning is all state legislation coming out of Jefferson City. Um, if you want to try and track federal legislation, you know, I usually go to a page. It's N-R-A-I-L-A dot org. And they have a section where you can click on, under the, it says section, click on federal legislation. Or another good source is the National Sport Shooting Foundation or the National Firearm Industry. It's the National Firearm Industry Trade Association. And that's just nssf.org. And GOA's website's pretty quick. I think they're a little faster to get stuff on their website. Who's? Gun Owners of America. Oh, Gun Owners of America. I'm sorry. So, and then the state ones, where do we find those? Well, as you can go to senate.mo.gov or house.mo.gov. And, okay. on, and on either page, there'll be a link for legislation. 
and then it'll give you several options about you know all the bills filed just the ones that are that are uh, have been voted out of that chamber uh, you know house bills have to be voted out of the house and sent over to the senate senate bills have to be voted out of the senate and sent back to the house um, the ultimate goal is for a bill to be truly agreed to and finally passed which they just referred to as tafp so when you see something that's tafp is finished but for the governor's signature and um these two bills that we're looking at if i have them right uh before i ask my second question is house bill 1462 and house bill 1697 1696 1696 thank you now my second question is the issues with voting and i don't want to you know, I'm not trying to start a, an issue, but how are we going to protect the vote? Because every year that I've been voting since, you know, the past 40 years, it's always an issue that there's, it's, it's not, um, not protected as much as we think it is. And, you know, dead people are still voting, uh, people that should not be voting are voting. Um, there's all these discrepancies. And every time we have, you know, since especially Gore, we just keep having the same problem. How can we honestly solve this problem? And who is actually going to take that issue up? Because if our vote is not protected and it continues to be an issue, nobody ever feels that they really got the fair shake. And so how can we protect ourselves? And I'm going to hang up and listen to your response. And thank you, gentlemen, so much for your dedication to Missouri and to, uh, you know, this our country. Thank you very much. Well, uh, thank you, Evelyn. For the, I'll, I'll take the question. I'm going to speak for the Missouri House. We have passed bills, uh, I think, every year that I've been in the legislature. I'm in my eighth year. And uh, we, we did pass a very good bill. It, it, it was passed, truly agreed, and finally passed in, back in uh, 2015 or 16, I believe, a voter ID bill, and the Supreme Court threw out the provision of that bill that was the most important. That was the uh, photo ID portion. So we have passed that again uh, last year and even this year, and right now that bill, it's a comprehensive election bill, covers most of the concerns you were talking about, and that is in the Senate right now. Hopefully they will bring that up and pass it without changing uh, any of the uh, really critical pieces of that legislation. So uh, we're trying to do the right thing here in Missouri, but um, hopefully that'll happen all across the country, especially after all the issues that came out in the 2020 election. And something else I'll mention, we I hear about this on a committee that I'm on. You know, the every county has their county clerk who manages the elections for that county. The county clerk here in Boone County is always asking for people to help with the elections and when i say help you get paid to do that it's it's fair money for a day's work and some training in advance and by law the clerk must have so many poll judges or poll watchers from each party and folks i talk to who work the elections in boone county tell me they feel they're pretty you know they're closely monitored and they're pretty strict on the procedures but there's you know there's no better way to know than to to go there be paid to to spend a day watching the election and walking the ballots step by step from the beginning of the day till they're finished um, to see what's going on but other than that 
as Chuck said, the you know legislation uh, is fighting its way through the through the Capitol, and hopefully they'll get that done. If I could tell her real quick, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my colleagues, Representative Sheree Tolson Reich. She has been all over this, uh, removing people that are deceased off the voting rolls. She's worked with our Secretary of State very, very well, and she's she's made a lot of progress on that and, and continuing that push. She's on the election, uh, Elections Committee, and she does a really good job. Uh, a couple years ago, real, real quick, I know we're getting off the topic, but we were debating a bill, and she was talking about dead people uh, on the rolls, and she was talking about a specific person that had been dead for years in, in her community, and and one of the Democrats got up and challenged her, and she uh, asked the question, how do you know that this person is dead? And, and Cherie immediately said, I went to his funeral. <laughs> and uh, it, it, uh, it was a very powerful statement, very, very funny, but very, very true. And, and uh, so Cherie's doing a really good job. <clears throat> and I will say, as long as we're somewhat off topic, I mean, it gets to gun legislation eventually, but... You know, Chuck mentioned that the legislature passed a bill to address this issue. The Supreme Court overturned that bill. Uh, there shouldn't be politics involved in judicial cases, but uh, they're only human. And, and to some extent, there are those issues that come up where judges tend to lean one way or the other. Um, I, I'm an attorney. I think the bar is more liberal than not. And... You know, the key to that is citizens getting involved. Where do we get Supreme Court judges? They come from appellate court judges who come from your local county judges. And so I always encourage people get involved with the races for associate circuit court judge and circuit court judges here in Boone County. Um, because for lack of a better expression, those people grow up to be Supreme Court judges and we, we can have a hand in selecting them. So, so if, if I went into a gun store and, uh, for example, I went in and asked Arson if he'd sell me a gun, if I showed him my electric bill with my address on it, could I be able to do that? Like, people are allowed to show their utility bill to vote? Um, along with a photo ID, okay. um, yes. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, a lot of things are needed for a photo ID now, and, and I don't think voting should be any different. Garson, can they, can they buy a gun without a photo ID? If they just if I just show you my electric bill, no. Um, and go figure. The, the address on the photo ID has to be correct, but if it's not, we can't accept other proof that your name is tied to the address you're using on your forty four seventy three. Um, there's a specific list of that though, um, and and utility bills or or leases or um, orders um, fall into that category. How about my high B fuel saver card? <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's an address tied to that, so probably not. <laughs> Go, but you know, figure. Well, how long ago was it that you had to be a taxpayer to vote? I, I don't. Yeah, uh, not sure. Before my time, I think. Really? I know. I know. You give me that look <laughs> about my age. We're not going to go there. What if they somebody walks in, graphs, and goes, "I want to use the gun show loophole," and they wink at you? Then I, I still don't know what that is oh um, i heard it was a it was a thing it was a code for um, getting gun illegally yeah i've been to a number of gun shows and worked with a number of gun shows and i've i've never seen this loophole huh. cuz if if there was i would i would have lots of machine guns and suppressors <laughs> a rocket launcher maybe a maybe an f14 or something and get all the stuff that i want through this loophole but i i still don't have huh that's weird i heard that there was a loophole now um i i have uh I have a friend who has offered an RPG in Mexico. Missouri or No, country? in the country. Oh. 
Yeah, he was on vacation in, in, in Mexico, and somebody offered to sell him an RPG with as many rounds of ammunition as he wanted. I think I know who you're talking about, and I still don't understand why um, he did not buy it and bring <laughs> it back. Well, that was, the, that was the best part. The dude said he'd even swim it across the river for him, um, so he didn't have to actually take it across the border himself. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Uh, my, my friend smartly said no. <laughs> what a shame. We're coming up on a break. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about... Uh, what President Biden is uh, attempting. In the meantime, you're listening to Gary on Guns on 93.9 The Eagle. Good morning again. My name is Dale Roberts. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Gary is not here this morning. Is at a cat sale or some such thing? And he's going to give us a hard time about this when he gets back. Chuck Basie's with us. Chuck, you there? Yes, sir. And Chuck is with the Missouri legislature. He's our Second Amendment legislator. And sadly, he has two weeks left in the legislature and then he will be term limited out. He has spent eight years there, and that's as much as he can spend in the House. Chuck, what are you going to do next? Well, I uh, might go to some of the celebration parties in Columbia that a lot of people will be celebrating that I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, but I haven't been invited to any of them yet. Just crash them. I'll find something to do. Something will come up. You can just tell people you're dressed like that to yeah. make fun of Chuck Basie, and you're not yeah. really Chuck Basie. <laughs> and the other voice you hear is Garson Chin from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, Garson, do you have a, a put you on the spot? Do you have any idea what the revenue is for graphs in a year? How many millions of dollars business they do? Um, not really. They don't let you handle the money. No. And, and the reason I asked, we we talked earlier about uh, Biden's proposal for another twenty billion dollars for the Justice Department, much of which is going to go to the ATF. And the other thing, President Biden is pushing is the repeal of the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which prevents frivolous lawsuits against members of the firearms industry for criminal misuse of their product. Um, you know, the law is really nothing more than its basic tort law that, that says an industry can't be held responsible for criminal action committed by others. Yeah, I mean, it makes no sense for Louisville Slugger to be sued when... Somebody trounces somebody with one of their baseball bats. It doesn't? No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, the, the administration is going after that. They want, they want that legislation reversed. Obviously, there's an election coming up in uh, August and November, which may change the uh, political makeup of the U.S. Congress. But, the, you know, when you look at this, the industry, the, the economic engine that Biden is trying to kill... Um, it is an industry that has over 166,000 full-time, well, excuse me, it went from 166,000 full-time employees in the last several years to 375,819 full-time employees and generates about $7.85 billion in business taxes and another $1.1 billion in excise taxes, uh, much of which, by the way, goes to wildlife conservation. So that's an industry, evidently, we want to kill. Is that, is that Darrell's understanding? Yeah, nothing surprises me about this administration anymore. Just uh, the constant attacks on, on people and their freedoms. But yet, certain things they just leave untouched, like the people that are tearing up cities all over the place and... Uh, assaulting law enforcement officers and trying to burn down courthouses or just no no nothing to see here just move on 
So, so on the topic of uh, those those laws dealing with those issues, there was a great uh, concern, to say the least, when the legislature passed SAPA, the Second Amendment Preservation Act, last year. Chuck, I assume you voted in favor of that. Yes, sir. I absolutely did. That was a great bill, and I'm very proud to be part of it. So, uh, yeah, there was uh, immediately challenges to that. I mean, I think you sat through a lot of those hearings, didn't you? I did, indeed. So, so the you know, when the Second Amendment Preservation Act basically says we will not pay our local law enforcement officers, police, sheriff, and highway patrol to enforce, to help the federal agents enforce federal law. And what some people seem to miss in all this is that local law enforcement doesn't have has never had the authority to enforce federal laws unless they're deputized and and become federal officers and similarly federal officers cannot enforce local law you know an atf agent can't stop you for speeding on broadway um federal uh, local local officers can't arrest you for tax evasion on the federal level but yet when when sable was passed saying we're not going to pay local officers to help federal officers enforce federal law that's not what we're paying our tax dollars for the the law enforcement community got pretty upset about that well, i mean we do we pay federal taxes that fund the well true so yes at, at that point so there was you know sapa the second amendment preservation act was challenged in circuit court it uh the hearing took place last august in jefferson city the judge there, I believe it was Judge Green, upheld the constitutionality of the law and denied the uh, plaintiff's request for an injunction to keep it from going into effect and denied the request, their request for declaratory judgment by which he would have declared at the outset the law is unconstitutional. The, the parties, which are, of course, St. Louis and Kansas City, took that case up to the Missouri Supreme Court. It was argued maybe two months ago the Supreme Court, Missouri Supreme Court, issued its decision on that case just this week. And the Supreme Court sent the case back to the trial court, de- declined to rule on it, you know, on the spot, and instead sent it back to the trial court. And I know, I don't know, if, do you have any reaction to that, Garson or Chuck? Or, were you all familiar with the, the decision this week? I, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard most of that. I heard about it, and I'm just reading a little, little bit of, uh, about it right now. It looks like uh, it was a six-to-one vote. Yes. And Judge Zell Fisher wrote in a dissenting it's opinion. Same. Right. Kind of surprising that he did it. I well, thought it, it would have been one of the other ones. Exactly. And, and the interesting thing, I know there are friends of mine who were upset that the Supreme Court didn't rule on the spot about the constitutionality, hopefully that it is constitutional, and instead sent it back to the trial court. But here's the other piece of the puzzle. When the case was argued at the circuit court in August of 2021, we're sitting there and in walk a couple of suits to sit in the back of the room. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, they're from the Department of Justice. The DOJ attorneys, the US, the AUSA came in to listen to the arguments because they knew they would be challenging Missouri's law. And I guess they wanted to hear the strengths and weaknesses as it was presented in circuit court. So the DOJ appeared in the Supreme Court argument. They received leave to from the court to to argue the case. And they had a bad day. They they did not do well at all in front of the Supreme Court in Missouri. And perhaps as a result, within a week, the Department of Justice 
filed its lawsuit against the... Um, oh, we're coming up on a break. I'm sorry. I'm going a little bit too long. You're listening to Gary on Guns on 93.9 The Eagle. We'll finish this after the break.